Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek, and if this is your first time in the show where you are in the place where we talk about solo and cooperative board games, and once in a while we talk about a competitive board game as well. So welcome, and you know, once in a while also we do Kickstarter previews and interviews and stuff, and you know, very, very, very fun stuff. So you are in the right place if you want to hear about board games, especially solo board games. Anyway, the introduction there is there, and I'm so happy to have you here for for another episode. This is episode number 82. Can you believe it? 82 episodes of listening to this, uh, you know, strong accent and this awful English, but hey, thank you so much for the support, and thank you so much for being here with, you know, with me and sharing a little bit of what we love, which is board games, of course. I don't want to start the show without telling you that you can go right now to kickstartedgames.com as always, and you can support the show by doing it and getting some awesome games for your collection. And if you put the code SOLOBG all together, you get 15% off from your total purchase. In other way that you can support the show, it's uh, going and following us in our social media, either Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at SOLOBGPodcast. Or if you want to shoot me an email, you can do it as well at SOLOBGPodcast at gmail.com. And also, please, this is a special favor. If you are listening through iTunes, please subscribe and please rate the show. And if you're able, you know, write a comment or something, a feedback, I will really appreciate it. And that really helps the show to keep going in that platform as well. Uh, and Or if you can do it through any platform that you're listening to, if you're able to rate and subscribe or comment, I would really appreciate, appreciate it as well. This episode is going to be... Hopefully, a very fun one for you because it was a very fun experience to me to play this game because I love the theme, to play the game a few times, to get the feeling of it, and to be ready for a review for you because, you know, Batman and DC, it's my thing. I love it, and I'm so happy, and I was looking forward to play this game as well. Now, big disclaimer over there. This game was sent to me by our kindly friends from the OP or USAopoly. Well, previously known as the USAopoly, now they are the OP. Uh, my dear friend Ross, who works over there, fantastic guy. He sent me a copy of this one, uh, you know, for to play it or for the show and, and to have the review. So I wanted to throw the big disclaimer right there. But um, at the same time, you know that I will uh, share with you my honest thoughts on the game. So anyway, I wanted to throw it out there to to thank Ross and also to to thank the amazing friends from the OP, which they always are fantastic. They also sent me a copy of another game that I'm looking forward to play, probably with my wife because it's The Shining and it's uh, Escape from the Overlook Hotel and it's one of those games that it falls on the category as the one that I talked to you previously on another episode of a Coded Chronicles game. And the other one that we tried, it was a Scooby-Doo, uh, Escaped uh, from the Haunted Mansion, I believe it's called. Um, and that this game falls in the, into the same category, but I believe that this game, of course, it's um, towards a more mature audience. But anyway, I'm looking forward to opening that game as well. Uh, without being said, let's start with this episode 81, because 82, I'm sorry, because I also want to share with you what I've been playing recently, because I play, I had the opportunity to to play with my friend Robert, which I say hi, uh, a great game that he was making a lot of fuss on Kickstarter, and now the backers are getting it, and we play the game, 
and I will share with you if I regret not backing that game. Anyway, with that being said, leg, leg, <laughs> you see, this is the problem when you're listening to a strong accent. With that being said, leg, let's start like always in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Alrighty, so now we are ready to start to kick in with the episode, The Batman Who Loves Rising. The Batman Who Loves Rising. And uh, it's published once again by the OP. And is designed, uh, you know, what? it actually falls into the multiverse on the DC that now there is getting pop very popular uh, with the Dark Knight's Mel and stuff. And is the, you know, from the group of designers from the OP. So there you go. Um, we're going to talk about the game in a little bit, but before we do that, let's jump to what I have been playing recently. Most recently, actually, last night, I played a Night of the Living Dead, a zombie side game, based on the popular film from George Romero, um, and it's now a public domain. And if you haven't seen the movie, the original one from about 60 years ago or something, Please do yourself a favor and watch it as long as you are a horror film fan. Because I believe that that movie started, started the whole zombie genre. And, uh, you know, even, in, even if in the movies they're not called zombies and they're called ghouls, well, they're pretty much the same. It's a great movie that actually, surprisingly, I watched it like two months ago again. And it really holds up. I mean, it's think about it. It's a 60-year-old or so old movie. But it still holds up. It's still, like, you know, very well done. It looks like a, I guess, like a modern independent film, sort of. So that tells you that it's a, you know, very well done film. And it's interesting, and it's actually, like, entertaining at some point. I mean, don't don't expect to get scared or anything like that. Probably 60 years ago, uh, if you are, uh, you know, like 70 right now, and you were a kid back when it, when it was released, or probably if you watch it at your, your grandparents' house or something, or if you watch it as a little kid, it might get you a little bit frightened, but, you know, other than that, I mean, I don't believe <laughs> you're going to get scared. But it's a, it's a great film. I actually enjoy it a lot. And I was looking forward to play this game uh, from Cool Mini or Not or Simon or Kamon, and they released this Zombicide Night of the Living Dead. And I had to say that I really enjoy the game. I really We play my wife and I the first scenario, which is fully cooperative, the game. You can do it solo. But it has the same thing. Uh, with others, with all the other Zombicide uh, games that if you want to play it solo, you will have to play with the six characters. Now, I mentioned in the past, and I haven't done an episode about it, about Zombicide Invader. Uh, I mentioned it when I played it, that one of the things that I didn't like, it, it was that it was a lot going on on the board, and that it was kind of, you know, tricky. It wasn't hard, but it was kind of tricky to control all the, all the six characters and abilities and stuff. Well, in this one, in The Night of the Living Dead... It's way more simpler, and it's cool that they have a like a variant that is called the the Romero side and the zombie side uh, side, I guess, for each hero. So they all start in Romero side, which is black and white, very nice. And then uh, if they do certain things um, that belongs to certain scenarios, 
they can turn to be a zombie side mode, which is more like badass, I guess, survivor with with more abilities and stuff. And it and it follows the same mechanics of any zombie side, you know, where you got the the hero face or the action or you know the yeah the hero face or the good guys face, where every hero will resolve three actions. They can move, um, they can interact, they can attack. In this case of this game, they can put barriers on the windows, just like in the movie. Once again, if you watch the movie and and um, you can do different things because the premise of the movie, and you know what? I'm really looking forward to doing an episode. Probably I will mix two or three zombie side games and do an episode about zombie side uh, part one and then zombie side part two, and we can talk about different zombie sides since there's plenty out there. Um, you know, the premise of this movie, I guess, spoiler if if some if you haven't watched it, which at this point is dumb because, <laughs> well, it's not dumb that you haven't watched it, but it's not a big, it's dumb that it's, I don't think it's a big spoiler because it's a 60 year old movie, but the premise is that this. Uh, group of people, they got together in a house in the middle of a post-apocalyptic, I guess, world with ghouls outside. Once again, there are no zombies or walkers or ghouls. Uh, and they are trying to work together to survive, but of course, they don't work together, and then everything goes south, right? Well, here on this game, the premise is that you will be following the events of that movie, so you will play around uh, tennis scenarios, I believe, <clears throat> and they will go in different uh, difficulties from easy to hard and very hard. But the, the idea is that what would it happen if they would have worked together, right? Something like that. So as you are playing the movie, things are going differently because, of course, in this situation, we want our heroes to work together to survive because one, if one of them die, well, that's it. And it has another mechanic where uh, with some uh, walkers or zombies or ghouls that they are called relatives and, you know, they uh, have different... Effects on the on the heroes, such as uh, if, let's say, one of your heroes is in zombie side mode, as soon as you get a relative, it's like they're getting scared because they see the relatives that now they want to kill them, and they switch to uh, Romero's side. Something like that. I think that's the idea that the game is trying to throw out there. Um, but anyway, like I said, that's all the spoilers that I want to give you around the game. It's very fun. It's it's. I feel like it's more way more simpler, but at the same time, uh, it's it it works out because it you can feel the tension. Of you know trying to survive and it's, it it feels more like as like actual actually zombie game versus like going like crazy and shooting everywhere and throwing bombs and stuff you know to all the the creatures and zombies that you find in the other zombie side games. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to play the game more to go through all the scenarios because I did like it uh, and you know and give you an episode about zombie sides. Probably some the first one will be some, uh, the Night of the Living Get Night of the Living Dead. I'm sorry, and Zombie Side Invader, uh, which Zombie Side Invader I haven't brought it to the table since last year, uh, and I think I played like around five times, four or five times, um, and I stopped, you know, because I was playing other games. But difference to that one, this one I really want to play the whole thing. So that gives you an idea of you know which one. It might be better. Anyway, that was uh, Zombie Side. Uh, well, Night of the Living Dead, a Zombie Side game, because it's that's the tricky part. That it's not a some. I mean, it's a Zombie Side game, but it's not with the title Zombie Side. Does that make sense? Like it's Night of the Living Dead, and then it falls in the category uh, from a Zombie Side game. And if you're a fan of the franchise of Zombie Side, you still will get it. I'm pretty sure, just because you want to have everything, since you're already probably have like seven or eight more games of Zombie Sides with expansion. But if you don't own any zombie side, this might be a good window or door to jump into the universe and see how you feel, see how you like it, uh, and, and you know, get a nice experience of it. But anyway, the episode will come very soon, hopefully, and we will talk more about it. Also, I play. I mentioned in the intro that I'll play another game that it made a lot of fuss, I believe, towards the end of 2000. 
2019 or early 2020, if I don't remember incorrectly. And it was Dwellings of Elder... Um, Dwellings of Eldervale. I was going to say Everdell. No, Everdell is another game. Dwellings of Eldervale. Now, I didn't back this game. Why? I don't have an answer for you. I honestly don't have. Because I'm usually a Kickstarter addictive. I'm usually on everything. And for some reason, I didn't back this game. Yesterday, I was with my good friend Robert and Beth and my wife Erica and myself. We went in and played over there at their house. Of course, with all the precautions because we are in chaotic times um and we brought to the tables dwellings of elder uh once again <laughs> dwellings of elderville you know it's a game that it has different mechanics uh it has worker placement mechanics where you're gonna place in different uh you know areas of elderville and you're gonna get different rewards but also it has some sort of like hand management because you have a, a few cards that you have in your hand which they'll call magic cards that they will trigger different things for you, either um, end-of-the-game points or uh, immediate quests or, or like, powerful things before you battle. But the most appealing thing from the game is definitely the, the when there is a battle between either one of the factions that you can choose from uh, or you other uh, players or versus the monsters. And the monsters, to my in my opinion, they were fantastic huge minis and i really like like it more that actually robert my friend he went all in in the, in the kickstarter and he got the tier where you can have like little bases that they do sound effects for the monsters so every time that you land a monster on a tile it makes that the sound effect of that type of monster and it was super cool i really enjoy and really engage me with the game now <clears throat> the game itself it's a very nice game very uh, well designed that it reminds me a lot of another game that I like from uh, from the same publisher, which is um, Rise of Tribes, and it's the probably the publisher is Breaking Games. So Rise of Tribes is another game that is sort of like an area control game. This game also Dwellings of Elderville has some area control because you're trying to you know build your dwells I guess around the land in that way you can get more victory points at the end of the game. You also want to get some cards that will give you better abilities uh, during the game in that way you can advance in certain tracks of different powers in that way at the end of the game you can get more points uh, from those uh, effects and it's a game that the big chunk of points will come at the end of the game. You can start to make points as you play, but the big chunk of points will always come at the end of the game. So it's one of those, game, those games that you have to think about it and work more in a strategy of, okay, how at the end I will trigger, mathematically speaking, more, more points versus trying to accomplish quests right now that they will give me four or five or six points. The example is that I was on running first place during the whole game by doing immediate things, you know, to get points right away. And I was able to be like 40 points, uh, you know, ahead of pretty much everybody. And then what happened was that at the end of the, I didn't focus my strategy on getting certain cards that I probably I should it. And all the other players got those cards, all the other players these different things. And then at the end of the game, they all went above me and I ended up in last place. So that gives you an idea of how the strategy work, uh, you know, around these games. And in Rise of Tribes, there's a, once again a game that it's area control mainly and there's certain battle. Um, this one has similar mechanics to Rise of Tribes that remember me. Like, for example, if you're in an in a, in a area that you want to start a battle, uh, if you have workers adjacent, uh, workers that you previously placed that they're adjacent to that area, they can join the battle and it's going to be a majority situation where, you know, somebody, some tribe is going to be 
surviving on the on the land or on the area. Well, here is kind of like the same, but the only difference is that you roll dice, and it doesn't matter how many dice you roll. Honestly, because what matters is whoever has, whoever gets higher numbers on each dice. So let's say somebody rolls six dice uh, to, in a battle, and I, all, I, I and I roll two dice only. If I get a six and they don't get a six in all of their dices, I win the battle. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it plays, and I think it's a very clever mechanic. I also love the production of the game, the components of the game. Once again, disclaimer, this was the all-in... Um, uh, you know, pledge. I really like the game trays that they include where it's pretty much, it really helps the setup because all your factions, you will take your factions, you will get the kind of like the cardboard mat of that faction up and you will have in the inserts everything that you need for, for your, for that faction. You will have the warrior, you will have the dragon, you will have the, the magician, I guess, the wizard, I'm sorry, and you have all the different workers that you will be able to use. And everybody has the same uh, meeples or minis. It's just the abilities that everybody has is different. The game has a lot on the game. It's a lot of, it's like a big production, big massive box, and I really like the game. It is hard for me to rate that game so far because I only played it once. But if I had to, if I had to, to give a rating right now from zero to five, and pretending that I play this game in a convention, if they show me this game in a convention, I will definitely give this game a strong four, a solid four. I really enjoy it. I really like it. And I, I don't mind. And I probably will look to get a copy for myself of the all-in because it was fantastic. Uh, you know, the effects that you get from the from the mini bases, you know, and it, when you land the dragon and it does like, like, roar, like that sound effect on the board, it was great. And we were all having a blast. And on the battle, on battle times when we were rolling dice, I actually celebrate when I was able to finally defeat one of the monsters where I tried like five times before. And it was, uh, you know, you know, it has its, its epic moments. Um, but the only thing, I, the only reason why I don't give it a five, well, first of all, is because I need to play it more. Second of all, because it doesn't have a solo mode, at least not an official mode. And, um, most importantly, even if I enjoy it, it's still like it's it's not there where I will you know it's, it's a game that it, I would like to bring to the table all the time. Versus, for example, we were talking yesterday, Side Side. It's a game that that group we all love, and I I think like Side for me, it's probably I don't remember if I put it if I mentioned it five out of five on a previous episode, like in one of those top uh, game for 2018 or something but if it's not a 5 it's probably a 4.5 side for me side I love it I love the, the all the, the the expansions that are there I love the mechanics even if it's very different because uh, side is more like you know following different actions on your tableau and that's it it's not a I don't consider it like a worker placement kind of but I really like side so it, talking about that euro category because at the end of the day dwelling some elder is a euro as well um, yeah it's, it's still a 4 now once again, do I regret back not backing it? Yes, I do regret not backing it because the game and the production is great. Um, does I really, you know, it really hurts? No, because once again, it's very fun, but at the same time, it's not that game that is 5 out of 5. So I wanted to throw it out there. And if you own the game, that's amazing because you get a great production. I think the value of this game, it's also because how fun it is, but at the same time, the production aspect of it really, really... Uh, it's really worth it. I mean, you know, if I would have tried the game once again at convention and with those mini vases and stuff, I would have get the game on Kickstarter all in, no doubt. No doubt at all. I regret not, I don't know what happened. I don't regret not putting attention to Kickstarter on that particular month. I don't know what happened to me. Uh, I was off the radar, which is, which is surprisingly because this game made a lot of fuss last year. Um, but, you know, there is. And now I'm looking forward to get a, 
you know, a, a pledge through eBay or something and a big, I guess, commercial there and see if I can get a copy, an all-in copy, of course, with probably just a little bit more amount of money than what that person paid. Of course, and that's fair, uh, but nothing crazy. I wouldn't pay like I saw on eBay. Like I was asking my friend, like, how much do you pay? And he was like, I think it was like 150 or 160 with the pledge that he got. And I saw the same pledge on eBay, like $300. I would never pay $300. Would I pay 200 Probably, because the production is worth it. And it's a game that I will bring to the table. I don't know if, I don't know how often, but I will bring to the table at least you know, five, six times per year with my wife. I, I hear that it holds up very well to players, so I might try it. So anyway, those are my thoughts on Dwellings of Elder Bell. I also play another game that is called, um, I hope I pronounce it correctly, Yggdrasil Chronicles. Yggdra or Yggdrasil Chronicles or Yggdrasil Chronicles, whatever. Uh, it's about, you know, the mythology of, of the Thor and all those gods, those um, thunder gods, I guess, if you want to call them. Uh and I share some pictures on our Instagram and Facebook if you want to check them out, Solo BG Podcast. And he has a huge tree, a huge tree in the middle of the board, uh, kind of like Everdell tree, where you're going to be fighting in different levels of the tree, trying to stop the the monsters or the gods that they're trying to, you know, pretty much uh, get, I guess, world domination, I guess, or, you know, that. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I played the game. Well, with with a, a group of uh, four friends. Actually, if you look at the picture, my friend Lauren is there, uh, and and I played it with my friend Jonathan and Caleb as well. Fully cooperative game, and I remember when they set up the game on the table. I thought like, oh, the production is amazing. Even on Instagram, some people were like, that's what's that game? Are you gonna talk about that game? Uh, because the production looks pretty cool, um, cardboard wise. Because you don't get any minis, you get standees and meeples. Um, other than the tree, I believe that the production of the standees, it's, I didn't like it because all, most of the standees, they look very similar, <laughs> for not to say the same. There are a few that you can differentiate it, but not all of them. Uh, it has a, a scenario book that I will have zero interest in playing it. I believe that that game has a lot of potential probably for solo games. If you are a solo gamer, that game can work. Even two players, I will give you that doubt. And, and that benefit of it might work to players. Three or four players, I honestly felt that I wasn't playing at all. I was just sitting there and, you know, and basically when I was my turn, I would reveal a, top, a, a card from my deck. And if it was already another monster type that it was already revealed previously from another player, then that monster will trigger and they will try to do different things to trying to push the game to end, and in that way we will lose. And our goal is basically to do different things according to the scenario. And then I was expecting, oh, well, there's a bunch of dice and stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that battles will be epic if I want to go ahead and fight a monster. But what happened is that when you fight a monster, you automatically win. There's no fight. The only thing that you're going to roll for is to see how many uh, damage he basically, how many damage you can prevent from that monster. And that's it. And and honestly, when it was my turn, I was like with my friends, like, okay, what should I do? Well, you should go, okay, move me up. That's it. I never even touched my my standee because, and, and you know, not just because, I don't know, I didn't feel engaged with the game. Once again, I feel like that game as well is like a lot of, uh, a lot of cooperative games out there that they're very, not dangerous, but they're very easy to alpha player it kind of, player-ish. Uh, because, you know, basically you can just... Somebody can say, like, well, it's better if you do this, do that, and you just, okay, that's fine, I will move me there, move me that, and yeah, you just tell me what to do, and 
and I will reveal a card. That was basically doing, for me, for two hours, revealing a card. Oh, we don't have the monster. Okay, that's fine. Oh, we have the monster. Okay, cool. I mean, he's going to attack. And that's it. I mean, that was it, <laughs> to be honest with you. And then uh, when I asked, well, uh, you know, is there some more scenarios? They were like, yeah, this is the first scenario, the easy one, tutorial one, sort of. Uh, I mean, I don't have too much desire of playing that game again, to be honest with you. Now, if I'm able to play the game two-player or solo, that might be different because, once again, I will be... If I'm playing solo, of course, the alpha player, so I'm, I might have all the fun. But as a cooperative game, uh, you know, it has, for me, that risk of falling once again with the risk of an alpha player. And I really, I, I won't say the word hate, but I really don't like those games and don't appreciate it. I love cooperative games, don't get me wrong. That's why this is Solo BG co- Podcast, where we talk about solo and cooperative board games. But I feel like... Cooperative games should be more, uh, you know, with more player engagement if it's going to be cooperative, but also trying to avoid the alpha player part of it. So, you know, when I find games that they have those situations, I really don't, it's, it's, you know, I don't feel appealed to it. And and Yggdras, unfortunately for me, it's not a game that I w- will desire to try again. Once again, the production is great. If you're going to get this game for solo, it might be worth it. But if you're gonna get this game to play three or more more people, or even two, I don't know. I mean, you might, um, you know, wanna probably try to to try the game before you buy it. In that way, you know, you 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 can you can tell by your by your, by yourself, I guess, to see if it's a game that it will work for you or not. So that was Eggdrasil um, Chronicles. Another game, though, that I played the same night, uh, made by Rio Grande Games. It's Beyond the Sun. Beyond the Sun, I th- I believe, was released in 2020 from last year it's a euro game and i love that beyond the sun it's a fantastic clever smart very solid design very well designed game by rio grande games basically the premise is that we're trying to find intelligence i mean we are in the future and we try to see how we can do better to go to different planets and get technology. And you have a big board where you are going to be uh, with your workers, I guess, which is dice with different faces. You will try to uh, get more uh, technology from those. And you will try to improve on your skill of, of knowledge that everybody shares as well on the board. Um, so it has the worker placement mechanic. It has the, the sort of like the area control type because you you need to control certain areas in, in order to be able to unlock certain skills level or technology levels. Um, there's also another area where you are playing in that area control and sort of fight, where as, which is where you are flying with your ships to different planets and different areas to get different, uh, to conquer different colonies or planets. In that way, you can get victory points through the end of the game. We played three players and it was fantastic. I loved it. And I'm looking forward to get a copy for myself. Uh, that That's how much I like it in that way. I can play it more. I can possibly get a, an episode about it or mention more about the game in future episodes, but also in that way I can try it two players and I will go ahead and look online to see if there is solo, any solo, any variant uh, for solo mode out there. So that was Beyond the Sun. Highly recommended, highly recommended game. Uh, even with me, just played it one time, that's enough. I know that that game works perfectly. I know that it's a solid game, and that's why I feel like I can recommend that game as well. So that's uh, Beyond the Sun. And I also been playing the Batman Who Laughs Rising, of course, which is the game that we're going to talk about tonight. The Batman Who Laughs Rising, once again, is published by the OP. And 
Uh, once again, the disclaimer is that they send me this game completely for free from my amazing uh, friends from the OP. So with that being said, let's start with our, fix, uh, with our first section of the show, which is Box and Cover. Box and Cover. Alrighty, so now we are in the first section of the show, which is Box and Cover. On the cover, we have the Batman Who Laughs Rising, and we have it there just laughing at us on the... On the on the main cover, and it tells you on the corner that it's 15 year old plus, of course, because of the thematic of the comic, which, by the way, this comic falls into the category of the Dark Dark Knight's, Me- Dark Knight's Metal, uh, uh, written by uh, Scott Snyder. Uh, I believe the art is from uh, Greg Capullo or Francisco Placencia, but uh, check it out. I really recommend that comic. It's great. And if you want to just check the Batman Who Laughs arc, it's fantastic. But I highly recommend that you read the Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight Metal, or at least uh, you know check it out on YouTube or something, and that way you can have a more understanding of what's going on. But I will tell you in a little bit anyway. Uh, just the premise, and it plays one to four players, sixty minutes, and includes a full color custom sculpted figure, uh, and it shows you the actual size. I will tell you this so far. Well, I will, I will keep it for my thoughts, okay? I will, I, will, I, will, I will keep quiet. Then you go to the sides, and it's the Batman Who Laughs Rising. Once again, you get the same art. And then it tells you on the other side, of course, that is by the OP, or also known as U.S. Upoly, DC Comics, Batman, the, the License, and Warner Brothers. Uh, and it's telling you all that stuff. Also... On the back of the game, on the back of the box, which, by the way, the box is a very standard size. Uh, I believe it's not even the 12-inch uh, standard one. So this one will fit in any, basically, in any shelf, even if it's the smaller one, the cheap ones. So no problem on storage on this game. The Batman Who Loves Rising, is t- it shows you on the back a little bit of what you're getting. You get custom hero dice, you get tokens, uh, we, you get uh, the cards and the stuff, and a little bit of the art that you will find inside, which we will talk in a little bit. And it says, a portal has been opened. A portal to the dark multiverse has been opened in Gotham City, providing a link for the most dangerous villains imaginable, the Dark Knights, led by the Batman who loves, a demonic hybrid of the Joker and Batman. These supervillains are seeking a way into our universe in order to destroy it. Join forces with Batman, Green Lantern, Hawk, Hawk Girl, and Wonder Woman to recruit powerful DC characters forming an alliance against evil. In this cooperative game, players must work together to defeat the Dark Knights and the Batman who laughs before everything is lost to darkness. So that's the premise, and with that being said, and I have the box here moving it, you know I love to do that. With that being said, let's jump right now into our audio unboxing, and let me tell you everything about what we find inside the box, the components, and on the next section, I'm actually going to share a little bit of my thoughts regarding the components on the game. So let's go right now, and let's check what do we find inside the box. Inside the box. Alrighty, so like always... I'm moving the box right now here because I'm going to open this bad boy in front of you, in front of the microphone. In that way, you can get the audio unboxing. And you know what? Before I open it, I want to tell you this. You know, and I have mentioned it in the past. The purpose of this podcast, of course, is to talk about board games, solo and cooperative, and we know that aspect. But also, one of my points of doing this podcast is because on the, before, you know, I, I came to the idea, um, you know, sometimes I used to do exercise or I was driving or stuff like that, and which, by the way, I return now to the gym to do some exercise. Anyway, that was a big disclaimer over there. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, um, uh, you know, I was sometimes driving, and I was like, man, I wish I could, you know, um, 
you know, I, sometimes I would put YouTube videos to listen to reviews and stuff, but I couldn't, of course, distract my view from the from the street to towards the phone uh, to see the unboxing where they were doing or when they were talking about a game. So I thought, well, it would be cool to do a, a podcast or some some sort of audio platform uh, where somebody can talk about the components and describe the audio unbox and describe the unboxing and you know all the tokens and components and stuff and you know in a in just in an audio way. So I thought like that would be cool, and I also thought like you know, unfortunately, if somebody has is is visually impaired, I hope I, I pronounce it correctly, and I say this with all the respect. Or if somebody, it's I hope I mean I hope not, but if somebody's you know blind, and once again I'm sorry to mention it this way, it's probably language better, and it's probably not the correct way, and I apologize, you know, if I'm saying something wrong, but you get my idea. In that way, if 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 it's if it, if their ability is completely based on on hearing, well, at least you can get the idea of the uh, of of an unboxing part of the game and a gameplay of the game just by audio. So anyway, I wanted to throw it out there and that's why I always put a lot of emphasis on the audio unboxing and once again moving the moving the box on the mic and that way the components and and talking about the 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 cover and stuff because I really want to give you that experience just by audio. Anyway, let's open this uh, bad boy here and like I said, I'm holding the microphone with my arm. <laughs> And then with my hands opening the box. First thing we find is an awesome rule book. And this is a 12 double side page of a very straightforward and very nice illustrated rule book that it will tell you everything the overview and the object of the game, the components, the contents of it, like the setup, uh, also the solo variant, which is the same as a two player, it doesn't change anything, and all that good stuff. So the rule book is pretty cool. Then you get a base like every other rising game which by the way I'm thinking of doing an episode about the rising games and and you know and, and rank them to see which one is better and which one doesn't work too well but anyway you have a nice board where you're going to sit uh, or when you're going to put the Batman who laughs and on the back of that board is the Batman who laughs rising sam uh, cover art which is fantastic and then on the other side is divided like in some sort of like greenish area which um it's like Gotham City if you put attention to it because you see the buildings and then it's a uh, Number one, two, and three. I guess that's um, that. It's like uh, talking about the multiverse. I guess different Gotham cities. Then you get the tokens. Uh, you know the tokens that you will use for the heroes for your deployment areas. You get some acrylic uh, cubes as well, red and white. Um, I'm sorry, uh, red and yellows because the yellows are going to be for the Batman who laughs track, we, we, which we will talk in a little bit. You get the tiles for the enemy track, double sided because one side will be uh, for uh, three and four players and the other side will be for one and two players. And you also get um, the Batman who laughs little track board, which I will explain how it works in a little bit. You get multiple bonus tokens like in, like in every other Rising game. You also get the character uh, players uh, kind of board, which is you got Batman and, you know, he has his ability, which is uh, if you roll four or more bad symbols uh, on your opening roll, you may remove a counter from the from the Dark Knight track uh, and things like that. You know, like you have Hawkgirl, like we talked, uh, Wonder Woman, which she, she looks pretty cool on the art here. And Green Lantern, which he also looks pretty cool. Now, on the pictures that I share on the social media, I re literally use uh, minis, uh, fully painted minis that I got from the dollar store. So if you you have a dollar a dollar tree store near to you, go ahead and go there because sometimes they have like Justice League, uh, you know, the little figures and they are like literally one dollar and you can get them fully painted and stuff and they work great for this game. Then, uh, here's where I'm going to spoil a little bit of my thoughts. Then you get... Uh, you know, a great, great, great um, 
sculpture of the Batman who laughs with three robins, like, you know, on, like, below them, below him, I guess. And he has them with a chain to his, to their neck. And it's like, you know, it's like his pets. And these robins, they look very scary, very uh, demon demonic, I guess. Uh, and the, the sculpture is fully painted from Star Wars Rising, from Thanos Rising, from Harry Potter Rising. I haven't played the SpongeBob one. Uh, Plankton, I think it's called. From all those sculptures, by far, in my opinion, and I really like the Rising games, that's another spoiler, this is the most wonderful sculpture from all of them. This is so detailed. Even the chain that is attached to the Robin's neck, it's a real chain. It's so cool. I don't have to even watch this, um, uh, uh, you know, sculpture. Probably on the bottom, you know, just a little bit because he's standing like in ru in some ruins, uh, like in a wall or something, in a tower. That one probably I can throw some some shades there. But other than that, it's fantastic. So that's my my uh, big spoiler. You also get the dark um, the Dark Knight's uh, uh, dice and the Batman who left dice as well, and all the different dice and colors for each that they belong or they probably are more appealing from uh, each different hero that we get on the game. So these are these are the items that you find inside the box. And now that we talk about these items, I think it's time for us to to you know talk about how the game plays how the Batman Who Laughs works, what's our objective, and what is the different, the main difference from this game to the other Rising games. And at the end, I will share my thoughts on this particular one. And like I mentioned, I'm looking forward to doing an episode about all of them and probably rank them in different places in that way we can have a better um, you know, idea of them. I will say this. I believe that this is the only Rising one that it actually includes official solo rules. Even if all the other ones, you can play them solo with no problem. This one, at least, is the first rule book, at least, that I can remember that actually tells you, hey, if you want to play solo, this is how you do it, which we already know how to do it. But it's, it's nice that now they're telling you what to do. And also on the other boxes, it always tells you two to four players, two to four players. In this one, they actually are telling you one to four players. So really appreciate it that now you guys name us on the box as solo gamers. Anyway, let's jump into our next section of the go of the show, which is how the game plays. Gameplay! Are you looking for that Kickstarter game that you missed during the Kickstarter campaign? Are you looking for that awesome and mythic expansion for one of your favorite board games? Are you sad because you didn't got the Kickstarter version of that game? Or perhaps you are like me and like to get a game with Kickstarter exclusive components and stretch goals. Well, don't look any further and go right now to kickstartergames.com. There you will find Kickstarter board games, expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content, graphic novels, RPG novels, toys and collectibles, and much more. Kickstarter Games is my favorite site to go and get those amazing games that I want to have on my gaming collection. Plus, they offer free shipping in the US when you spend $99 or more. And if that wasn't enough, right now you can get a 15% off if you use the code SOLOBG. That's right, use the code SOLOBG altogether and obtain 15% off from your total purchase. So go right now and check it out while you listen to this episode. 
once again www.kickstartedgames.com and enjoy all those amazing games. Alrighty, so now we are in the gameplay section of the show and let's talk briefly, very, very briefly, just to give you a better idea and a, an overview of how the game plays. So for the setup, we're gonna get our Dark Knight uh, track, which we're gonna get three tiles. Once again, if you wanna, if you're playing one or two players, it's they're gonna be one side. If you're playing two or, or three or four, I'm sorry, they're gonna be the other side. And then you're gonna have a deck of six cards that they're from the Batman uh, who laughs. They have a different uh, back that versus the one from the main deck. You're gonna shuffle those six and you're gonna lay them on different areas on these tracks. And for example, the first er the first area will have a uh, space for three cubes. Second area, three cubes. And then third area, four cubes and so on. And you're going to be uh, putting them like sort of in a line, of uh, like a track line. In that way, at the end, you will have another tile, which is where the Batman who laughs sit. And he also going to have some spacers to put some cubes or counters on it. You're also going to set up the main uh, board from the game uh, with the three different areas. You're going to set up randomly before you place any cards, the Batman who laughs pointing in a certain direction. And then you're going to reveal... Uh, nine uh, different cards from the main deck that you're going to shuffle, and those those cards will include either heroes or villains that you're going to lay down three in each area, so that's a total of nine. Then you're going to get your character, and if you're playing, for example, with Batman and Wonder Woman as a solo game or a two-player game, well, you're going to also get those heroes' uh, cards, and you're going to place them in each, one in each, like the Batman with the Batman one and the Wonder Woman with the Wonder Woman one. You're going to get your uh, superhero counter as well, and you're ready to start. What you're going to do on your turn is that first, you're going to decide where in those of those three, where in those three areas, where you're going to go and try to rescue or do some damage to a bad, to a villain, right? So let's say you start with Batman. You're going to place your counter in area number two because over there, who knows, probably, um, you know, Nightwing is there and... Uh, Damien is there as well, or Bad Girl is, Bad Girl is there, or whatever. You want to rescue them, probably. And let's say that's on Zone 2, and the Batman who laughs is pointing in zone, to Zone 3, because that's how you set up at the beginning of the game. Okay, let's say that's the case. Then you're going to roll first the Dark Knight. Um, after you place your counter, wherever you go, you're going to roll the Dark Knight uh, track dice, which is literally going to have different results, all in, all in yellow cubes. And if it's, the result is two yellow cubes or one yellow cube, whatever is the result, that's the amount of cube that you're going to put on the Dark Knight's track. All right? Remember that the first space I told you has three cubes. So if it's two cubes, that the result of that, that you're going to place two cubes over there. Then you also roll at the same time the Batman Who Laughs die. And that die is going to tell the Batman Who Laughs if they have to turn to, to his left or if he has to turn to his right, either clockwise or counterclockwise. If you roll the dice and now he's pointing to the area where you previously put the counter as Batman, remember, to try to rescue all the heroes there, then he's going to do damage to all those hero cards. And every card has a different health, different spaces for different damage counters. And also, he's going to damage Batman because he's there. Now, let's say down the game, down the road, you have like five heroes on your tableau, not only Batman, and you put, place the counter there, and the Batman who laughs either stays there or he turns in that direction, then all the heroes that you have on your tableau, on your play area, they're also going to get one damage counter on him. And that's how the Batman who laughs basically chase you, which not all the game he does it that way, and sometimes it's going to be you chasing him. And I will explain you why in a little bit. 
So after you do all those steps and either he turns to where you are or he turns the other way or he stays where he is, now in wherever area he is, the bad guys are going to activate all the bad guys that are in that area. All right? So let's say he has two villains on that area where he's pointing. Well, they have, they're going to have abilities and those abilities are going to trigger and most likely they're going to be doing damage to other heroes and you're going to be keep playing like that until you, know, until you determine where is he turning. After that, then... You're going to gather all your dice that you're going to roll for, for that turn. And depending on the number of heroes that you have on your play area, you're going to get more dice or different combinations of dice that they will allow you. And every dice is important because, for example, the purple one has more tendency to give you bad symbols. The green one has more tendency to give you green lantern symbols. The yellow one has more tendency to give you Wonder Woman symbols and so on and so forth. Um, so the idea of these symbols is that every hero will have uh, already on the card the amount of symbols and types that you need in order to recruit them. And also the villains, they're going to have the symbols and the amount of symbols that you need in order to make them damage. And if, you, if you're able to make a damage or a hit to a villain, you put a damage counter on that card, and you also get a bonus token, which they also give you certain rewards. If you're able to fulfill the requirements from a hero, well, at the end of the turn, you will recruit one or two or possibly three heroes, depending on the amount of dice that you roll. And then after that, that's it. Then is the next player turn. Now they roll again the Dark Knight Strike dice, which it might possibly add more cubes that will fill a, a, a complete area where a Batman who laughs card is face down previously put there during the setup. Now the important thing here is that if at any point, let's say the first area that requires three yellow cubes is full, then that card, that card that is a villain, is gonna put is gonna be placed on top of the deck from your from where you're getting cards because when you're recruiting heroes or killing enemies on the board, you're gonna replace them with cards from a deck. So those cards, once the area is filled in the Dark Knight track, they go on top of that deck and they they wanna come reveal on the next turn and they are gonna be villains that are gonna mess it up with your strategy. So that's the importance of that track. And that's what make one of the things that make this game different. Also, when you remove the car from that track, now it's an ability that the Batman Who Laughs have. Because on the Batman Who Laughs dies, besides telling them which, which direction he will go or uh, if he's going to stay in the same area, some of them, they also have like a crown surrounding the symbol, either the, the, the letter R, the little L, or the ha-ha-ha symbol. So... If you get that symbol with the crown, what means is that the rightmost ability from the track that you clear a card already, um, you know, it will trigger. And those abilities are usually very bad for you. So you're going to keep playing like that, either hoping that he doesn't kill, he doesn't kill 10 heroes, uh, because otherwise you will lose the game, or hopeful, uh, expecting that he doesn't kill any of the teams, uh, because if he kills one team, well, that's it. You are, the game is lost as well. So let's say you're able to manage all the cubes, all the yellow cubes to keep moving in the track, getting more villains, of course, which that's the bad part, until he gets to the Batman who laughs, uh, you know, tableau or a little card that he has, which for health. Then once you fulfill the two yellow cubes from that card, because he has two spaces, then you will literally have six more spaces to cover with yellow dice. Once again, uh, with yellow cues, I'm sorry, which once again, that dice get rolled at the beginning of every turn. So it can translate that if you're lucky and you only get one cube per turn, that you have, you have six turns to defeat the Batman who laughs. How you defeat it? Well, now is when the things turn the opposite side. First, during all these turns, you want to be in a space where the Batman who laughs is not pointing to. But now 
you want to be or you want to end up in a space that the Batman who laughs is pointing. So let's say you're in area three and then he's in pointing in area two and then you roll the moving dice from him and then he turns to area two. That's good for you if you're at that point in the game because I know he's going to make damage to you and to the heroes, which potentially can end the game. But at the same time, if you are there, you can forfeit one of your dice to put your mini now in the track on the Batman Who Laughs card. And if you're able to match the symbol's requirements, just like the other villains or the other heroes when you're trying to recruit, you can do a damage to the Batman Who Laughs. The important thing here is that you can only do one damage to one villain per turn. So you will have to manage very well uh, you know, the strategy and some sort of luck. In that way, you are able to destroy the Batman who laughs before he, f before all the Dark Knight's track get filled with yellow uh, tokens. There's some abilities from heroes and some bonus tokens, I believe, that they are, are allow you, they help you to remove cubes from that track, which they will become very helpful, especially at this point where you are trying to defeat the Batman who laughs. And that's a big overview of how the game plays. Once again, if you're playing two players or one player, you're used to heroes, no matter what. So you're playing two players, one player is one hero, the other player is a hero. If you're playing solo, just two play two heroes, I'm sorry. And it will it will tell you, it will determine which track you're gonna use because if you play with three or four players, the penalties of the track will be uh, more harder than um, you know when you're playing solo or two players. And that's how you basically play the Batman who laughs. So act after this. Uh, let's jump into my next favorite section of the show, which is my thoughts on the game and if I'd rather play this game solo or cooperative. So let's jump over there right now. Solo or cooperative? Alrighty, so now we are in my favorite section of the show where is where I share my thoughts with you and I tell you if this is a game that I'm going to keep on my gaming library or not and I tell you as well if I recommend this game to you. Let's uh, start with the positive things. We, we usually start with the negative things. Now let's start with the positive things. Positive things of this game is the production. I think the production is super cool. Um, just like every other Rising has been. The cards are very nice quality. The sculptures are great. I mean, even if this one is my favorite by far, on the uh, sculpture-wise, I feel like all of them, they're very great. Uh, you know, they're uh, pre-painted, which is a, a huge, huge thing. Uh, for uh, the visualizing aspect of the table and how the game looks on the table, you get very good cards, a very uh, nice quality. You also get nice board. You get you get nice dice components, uh, and you know the production of the other product I think is well. And the license that the, the different licenses that they get, they're also are very fun and very appealing because you have once again DC from Bat, you have Batman from DC, you have Star Wars, you have Harry Potter, you have a Spotch Bomb. Uh, you have a Marvel Thanos, and you know those licenses are super cool. So that's another uh, big, uh, big positive thing. The in general, the production and the theme of the game, I really like it. Another uh, big, um, you know, uh, positive thing is once again the miniature, the miniature, the sculpture, which is not a mini, it's a sculpture. It's so great. It's it's just fantastic. The quality. I mean, especially if you're a DC fan like me and you read the comic, the sculpture almost, you can literally display it. Like, you can have it for the game, but you can also display it some way or somewhere where you display your Funkos or your minis or whatever. It's so well done. It's great that I had to give it a special category for that. The sculpture is great. So that's another big pro. Um, the other big pro for the game, I believe, in my opinion, is that I feel 
that it even if it has the base core mechanics of every rising game because they all work very similar even though even that I'm sorry I feel like this one it's a little bit different and 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 I that's a pro you know I feel like yes I'm doing the same thing like in the other games but at the same time the way of winning is different and you get more tension from that Dark Knight track because once again it's adding more villains and more powerful villains uh, other than the normal ones that you find on the deck and at the same time uh, you know you get you're giving the, the Batman who laughs better abilities to kind of destroy you and make your life miserable on the game so I think that's very great I think the the tense that it grows that you will have to wait until all that track is fulfilled and suffer all that pain and then to reach the moment that you're able to kill him and then trying to now chase him instead of like him, him chasing you from the whole game, now you're chasing him to destroy him. I think that part really uh, plays very well with the game, with the theme, and it really increased the tension towards the end of the game where even if you're doing so good during the game and you're recruiting heroes, you can lose the game by just having bad luck on the yellow cube rolls and 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 the Batman who laughs, you know, getting fulfilled all the, all the Dark Knights track, and that's it, you're done. And I know this could be also like a thing because you know it's based on luck, but I mean it, it really helps to develop that tension towards the end. Um, what else we can talk positive? The rule book is it's very nice. I really like as well from on the back of the rule book that. It tells you the uh, legends and gameplay variants, and it tells you all the different results from the dice, and it tells you like which color the dice has more tendency to to show certain symbols and different variants if you want to increase or decrease the difficulty of the game. So I really like that all the rising games they have this aspect on the rulebook where at the back they show you basically not a summary of the round, but um, you know a summary of each dice result. Also, another nice thing is that. Uh, the heroes, the hero boards, on their back of their cards, they have like a, a little step-by-step -step how to play every round, and that's very cool as well. I didn't mention it on the components uh, section, but that's another thing that I like. Okay, so what I don't like from the game, and here is, what I don't like from the game is that even even if they um, if they change the game a little bit and, 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 and it feels like a different game, I still don't really like too much and i'm not a huge fan of um the total luck that plays on the game and i get it this is more like a you know like a nice game smooth game that you know there's certain strategy there but it's more like having fun and like oh man i hope i can roll this and it's about a lot of luck when you're rolling dice there's uh, different ways that you can mitigate that luck by having different character abilities and having different bonus tokens that they will add certain things or different result phases but at the same time, I mean, it's it's based on luck a lot. So that's the part that, you know, even if I get the idea of the game plays a lot with luck, is I'm not a huge fan of that. And that's I will have to say that that's a negative thing for me for the game. The other negative thing for me for the game is the same thing that I found in the other uh, games that it can, you know, push away some people. Me, personally, I don't mind because... I had to say I'm very lucky and blessed that my group of friends are great, but uh, that I play with most of them. But, um, you know, it, the downtime that it goes between each one turn to the other, uh, I mean, from when it comes back to you, it could be a little bit significant. So what I'm trying to say is, like, let's say it's first player turn and he does his stuff. Then by the time that the, the whole table come back to his turn after we playing with, for example, four players, it can be a significant amount of time 
Now, if, if that's something that it doesn't matter to you and that's something that you will be okay with uh, because, you know, because it's this type of game, then this negative point, you can take it away. But like I mentioned, that's one other thing that in this, not only on this game, in every rising game has that if you're playing four players, the downtime between turns can be significant. Uh, and even if you're having fun and you're, you know, talking to each other, and, hey, I think you should go for this one and that one. The reality is that you're just waiting for your turn. So, um, you know, that's another <clears throat> another another thing that you have to keep in mind, you know, just just in case for four-player variant. And that's it. I don't think I find uh, anything, any other thing, you know, bad about the game. I mean, this is pretty straightforward game, pretty easy to put at the table, uh, pretty easy to learn. The production is great. The art, I'm sorry, that's another thing that I forgot to mention. The art on the cards is pretty amazing. It's completely based from the Dark Knights comic, Dark Knights Metal comic, and it's great. Just like, like in the comic, the art looks fantastic on the cards. So I think that visualizing speaking, that also is very appealing for the game. Now, regarding if i rather play this game solo or cooperative, I will tell you kind of like the same thing that I, that I mentioned before with another game, that... I really enjoy the game solo, and I think solo is the way to go for this one. Now, I had to put a, you know, a, th a different thing here. If you are with a group of friends that they're huge fans of the franchise, then it will work cooperatively because the theme is very attached to the game. I mean, it's there, right? But uh, I, I believe that for me, the game it will be more fun if I play it solo or even two players at most for me. But once again, if you don't mind the waiting time uh, and and from turns, and if you have a, a group of people that are fans from the from the franchise, then the downtime will won't be a problem because the art is great and everything looks fantastic on the table. So with that being said, I think I prefer to game this to play this game solo. The rating that I give uh, to the game, uh, which going to uh, zero to five. Um, you know, where 5, it's an amazing and fantastic game. And 0, it's a game that I hate and I don't even want to play it and not even want to burn it and exp and spend any resources to burn that game. This, for Batman Who Laughs Rising, I probably give it a solid 3.5. I think it's a great game, I think, from all the Rising games. I don't want to tell you their ranks right now because I'm looking forward to doing an episode. But this is the one that I will probably, if I want to play a rising game, I will probably bring this one to the table. And that should give you a big, uh, you know, hint on my thoughts. So just a solid 3.5, fun game, great game. I will probably play it every night. But if I want to play the theme, this is the game that I might be bringing to the table um, just because, you know, the, the fun of rolling the dice and moving the characters and the very nice components that you get on the table. For example, there's the Dark Knights Metal DC, the deck building game from Cryptozoic. And that one, um, you know, it's when if I'm in the mood to play, uh, you know, the DC deck buildings. But this one is if I'm in the, in the mood to play the franchise, I probably might bring this one to the table and I don't want to give you the, the technical specification from the board game geek because I don't feel like a lot of people have been rating this game so because of that I don't think they're very you know solid to share them with you and with that being said that was the episode for the Batman Rising um, the Batman Who Loves Rising uh, you know once again published by the OP or the USAopoly and you know um, it, it's, it's, it's a good game I mean I, th I feel like if you are like me and you're a fan of DC and you like Batman, I mean, you should check it out definitely and give it a try. I don't think you will regret. I don't think it will be boring. 
but just keep those things in mind the things that I mentioned to you during the episode thank you so much for your support thank you so much for listening uh, thank you so much for all the different ways that you support the show with like I mentioned before uh, a couple of a, a few actually nice things are coming this year to the podcast which I'm trying to land those ideas before I make them a reality hopefully they will work out and I really appreciate all your support like always and like always remember For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. <laughs>